0: Hey guys, welcome to our Sermon of the Week podcast. Today's message is from Chris Dupre. If you're interested in partnering with us, check out our app or website for ways to give. Come on, Tom. You know, you got 32 seconds left. I mean, oh, now you got 39 minutes left. Ah, <laughs> oh, it's a different clock. All right. Am I the 32 second one? That's what I get It's 32 seconds. All right, Jesus loves you. This I know. Scripture tells me so. Yeah. Uh, poor Jeremy, he's going, okay, how many here are, are evangelists and want to go? And you're going, am I a five fold evangelist? I'm not sure. And so you're sitting there thinking, and he's going, no one wants anyone saved? You know what I'm saying? Poor guy. <laughs> Don't overthink it. You, you love Jesus. You want people saved. Raise your hand. Yeah. From somebody that's in the front now and then. Um, feedback is a wonderful thing. You know. How <laughs> many love what I just said? Uh, uh, what'd you say? I'm sorry. I was checking out face- Facebook. Um, so last week I, I, I talked a, a little bit about, about grace. Um, this week uh, <laughs> I'm I, last week I felt like I scratched the surface on one of the most unbelievable truths in scripture um, <clears throat> the the aspect of, of, of grace is one of the deepest uh, and widest truths that we, that we have and an understanding of it uh, should change your life yeah. that would be one of those moments that you go yes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, there's a big difference about learning more about something and living in something, okay? So learning more about the, the Godhead, learning more about the truth of forgiveness, learning more about grace is different than living in the truth of grace. So one of the things that that Christians do, and, and there's a, I, I wish I remembered the study um, but it was about the things that Christians know, and it it, it had this list of things. So it just went uh, the message of Romans, um, grace, uh, uh, you know, redemption, and, and, the, and the Christian. They were given this this little test, and they said if you if you know this, um, rate your your knowledge from one to ten. So all these believers, because they've been to church, it was a group of uh, uh, within a church, and they did it in different churches. But <clears throat> most people just put like eight, nine, ten. And then they took them aside and says, tell me about this. And what they realize is that people have heard about these things, but they didn't live in these things. So, uh, for me, um, there are things that I know. I, I've just been around the block long enough. Uh, next year is 50 years in Jesus. I just, I can't believe that. That's, it's just, you know, I <clears throat> I was... I was I was two at the time. Um, (laughs) Wow, that was a really bad response. That was quick, um, but demeaning at the same time. uh, um, (laughs) I feel like I knew more at 21 than I do now. Because I knew, but I didn't live in. I feel like I'm living in more than I know. I hope that makes sense. Because when you're young, you just know everything. I remember how stupid my parents were until I was 30. And I realized how brilliant they had been. I pray that my kids learn that. Um, No, they're (laughs) they're there. By the way, I want to say hello to my new friends from the Netherlands. Would you guys stand up? Stand up. Let's give them a big, yay. These, these guys have been in the, in the States for two weeks, and they're going back soon. Is that correct? Yeah, going back soon. And they've been all around and in New York City and Niagara Falls. And, and uh, <clears throat> um, we just want to say thank you for coming by today. Thank you for being a part. And I hope that God has blessed and touched your heart to tell you how much he really cares and loves you. So make sure you say hi to them before they leave and throw money at them. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> They told me where they were were from when I went over and we talked for a few minutes. And and then I said, at the end of it, I said, Wow, I've been to Norway. And he looked at me and was like, It's the Netherlands. (laughs) (laughs) So it was a word that started with N, Norway, the Netherlands. It's the same country, really. It just kind of comes down and then moves over. Okay. (laughs) Sorry. Remember junior high, you had to do all those maps and put the names of the countries in the, the maps? Yeah. Yeah, they should teach us that when we turn 20 so that we actually have some understanding of our, okay. Um, <laughs> nothing I'm about to, to uh, speak on today uh, is meant to give you permission to sin. I just want to start it out real, real strong. I'm going to talk about grace and I'm not giving you permission to sin. Paul in, in Romans six, uh, shall we continue in grace that sin may abound? He says that twice in Romans six. Shall we shall we sin knowing that grace is going to cover us? No. <clears throat> and so what happens is we have this uh, uh, kind of bizarre understanding of getting let, let off. It's kind of you know it's it's like you you do your own taxes and you don't do it well on purpose. And you get back this nice check, and you just hope that you don't get audited. (laughs) And you do that long enough, you think you can get away with it the rest of your life. And someday the audit may come. Um, The same thing is true sometimes when you hear about grace. You think, oh, wow, I can get away with anything. Did you hear what Chris said? How deep and wide it is. And I want to, it's like, so. People have been going to say and talking about that is is hyper grace uh, or sometimes referred to as sloppy grace. Now, I want to say right here, I hate those teachings. Oh, Chris, you're giving me permission to sin. Thank you. No, I'm not. (laughs) What I don't like about them is that it puts the word uh, sloppy or hyper next to the word grace and then it denigrates the full meaning of grace. If you talk about grace and the first word that comes in your head is sloppy, then the word grace doesn't have the power it's supposed to have. And then you live in an alternate form of understanding of grace and then you're deceived. Is this fun? Are we having fun yet? <laughs> oh, Chris, don't, don't go there. I'm going over the edge. Did I tell you um, nothing I say gives you permission to sin? I don't call it sloppy grace. I call it sloppy obedience. Sloppy obedience is misunderstanding the purpose of grace. It's not, it's not living fully in grace. It's living fully in sloppy disobedience. <clears throat> oh, we're having big fun. I can see this. Um, <clears throat> I want to read this. Hypergrace, according to a mainstream Christian news magazine, is a dangerous and unbiblical teaching by proclaiming the unconditional love of God and forgiveness for all. This is the quote from a very reputable and well known Christian magazine. <clears throat> Hyper-grace is a dangerous and unbiblical teaching by proclaiming the unconditional love of God and forgiveness for all. (laughs) Should I read that again? (laughs) Wow. Uh, They have taken grace too far and made grace unbalanced and radical. (laughs) Let me say that. If your understanding of grace is not unbalanced or radical, you don't know grace. Sorry, the claim uh, is unbiblical. It's easy to test. All you have to do is get a Bible. Is it unbiblical? So, <clears throat> has anybody ever had Greek class? Anybody here ever studied Greek? Calvin, you've had to study Greek. You know more than like one sm- part of my brain over here. <clears throat> anybody over here ever studied Greek? No. Yeah, Nathan, you did. Okay, Caleb did. Uh, Who wants to study Greek with me on on Saturday mornings at (laughs) 7? Exactly. That's how people feel about Greek. Um, I want to take you through a little bit of Greek this morning. (laughs) Is that okay? Okay, I'm going to attempt, to. you know, my understanding and classes I've taken over the years, uh, I realized that I learned how to pronounce words very well, and then some I didn't. And I would pronounce them, and then the instructor would laugh. <laughs> and I, I'd say, I got it wrong, didn't I? He goes, yes, you did. Uh, <clears throat> here we go. I want to give you six biblical glimpses into what God's grace really is. In him, here we go, Ephesians 1.7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of God's grace. Is there anything? Okay. Okay. Um, I, I have to apologize to those back there. I gave them the scriptures early in the week and forgot to actually give them the scriptures. I gave them an email that said, here's the scriptures. You ever done that? You send the email, you don't attach anything, and you think you're set. And I did it, and I said, I sent it early. <laughs> and then I just noticed, and so this morning, I sent it out again. It's a little late. Um, <clears throat> Okay, the riches of God's grace. God's grace is rich, okay? How rich is it? In this verse, the Greek word is P-L-O-U-T-S, plutus. It's the same word used to describe the amount of wisdom and knowledge God has. Hmm. Huh. God is as rich in grace as he is in wisdom. So how rich or how wise is God? Is God just a little wise? Or is he completely wise? He's exceedingly wise. So the same word to describe the wisdom of God in Ephesians 1.7 describes the grace of God. He's hyper wise. Okay? He's as wise as can be and he's as grace filled as can be. You limit God's grace, you limit his wisdom. Number two, God raises up in Christ to seat us with heavenly places, Ephesians 2.6 and 7. In order that we, in the coming ages, he might show, ready? In the coming ages, he's going to unveil the incomparable riches of his grace expressed through the kindness in Christ. Okay? This translates into the full wealth of his grace, the extraordinary greatness of his grace, and the immeasurable, limitless riches of God's grace. In other words, it can't be compared with anything you know. Therefore, the grace of God is beyond what you know. So, when you understand it, you're starting to walk. It's like a creek. You know, you you get in the the creek, and you know, um, <clears throat> it's up to your ankles. And then, you know, you go a little further out, and it's up to your calves. And you go a little further out, it's up to your knees, and it's really nice and it's refreshing. And you're walking in it, and this is great. You're walking in the grace. It's different than going out into the like into a river. Now it's a little deeper. And then suddenly getting to the point where you can't put your feet on the ground anymore and you're carried in it. One, you're in control of it. The other, you're being carried in it. So the depth of understanding of the grace of God is how far I'm carried in it or how much work I have to do. (laughs) Okay, Paul, you're getting carried away. All these epistles, you're saying things that are unbalanced and extreme. Okay. Now, I know I'm giving scriptures right here from Ephesians. This next one's going to come from 2 Corinthians 9 8. But, uh, you know, I I thought this was was a, a, a study on Galatians. It is. This is the truth of Galatians, and here's everything that supports what that book is about. That's why Galatians and Romans go hand in hand. When you see Galatians, it is actually walking hand in hand with Romans. It looks a little funny, but that's just how it goes. <clears throat> you didn't get that one. That's okay. Um, <clears throat> and God is able to make all grace abound to you. Second Corinthians 9.8, abound to you. Perecio, it means overflowing and is in more than you need. And it's the same word, the same word to describe what was left of the food when Jesus fed the 5,000. So, in other words, uh, how much do we need? Well, we got a little bit of bread, some, some loaves a little bit of bread and some fish. Okay, great. What, what, there's 5,000 men. There's women and children. What, what, how are we going to tell? Just give me what you've got. Watch what I do with it. This is the abounding grace of God. So we think, okay, this is what we have of God's grace. I can see it and understand it. And then he goes, just give it to me. And now, okay, start feeding pe- everybody. With what? Just start. And then he gets all done, and there's 12 baskets left over. Like, where did this come from? Well, you didn't know about it. You don't know what I do. I abound. The part of God that we don't know is the abounding God. And so we we scurry up to get the crumbs when he wants to abound. And this is, he wants to show how he abounds in food. By the way, 500 bucks for a lunch. How about just one? Just take me and spend $500 on my lunch. <laughs> That's abounding. Do you, you ever have anybody, what was that? Thank you, thank you. Yeah, it's, just. it's the same abounding that, uh, that, you know, the disciples, can you imagine being there at the time, and you see a few fish and some bread, and you go, how did he do that? Look at how much is left over. And it, it should blow, I mean, it blew their minds. They should all be talking about, how did you do that? We should all be saying, how much more is there? It's, it's so much more. Excess food means excess grace. I'll just say this. Grace given out is generous to the point of lavish wastefulness. So that when you're done with grace, it slops over the side. And you say, wow, it's wasted. No, it's just God is a God of excess. He gives you excess love. He gives you excess forgiveness. He gives you excess grace. But Chris, if people think that they have all the grace, they're going to sin. Let me start over again. Nothing I'm going to say today (laughs) gives you permission to sin. What it does It's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. So it gives us permission to get back in the game. That's what the enemy wants to do is to take you out by misunderstanding your theology of God. If you misunderstand the character of God, you stay off the race. You stay out. You don't fulfill what God's put you and given you. Number four. Romans 5.17, for if by the transgression of one, death reigned through one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through one, Jesus Christ, Romans 5.17. Now, we get this word abundance, which I I said before of grace, but in this particular case, he adds a prefix to it which means super. So, in other words, it's superabundant. It's not just abundant. Well, the 12 loaves were abundant. Well, then he comes over here and says, it's not just abundant. It's super abundant. I can give you the Greek words, but I, I just, you don't need me to, you know, speak in tongues. Because that's what it's going to sound like. Um, so, <coughs> so, in other words, it's super abundant. What super is to man is what this word is to abundant. Wow. Now, Superman was my favorite. He was my favorite superhero. Anybody else? A Superman guy? Gal? Seven of you. All right. Spider-Man? Okay. Batman? Okay. Well, then what is it? Wonder Woman? Wonder Woman. I should have known. (laughs) It was... Nice to watch, but it, I, Wonder Woman was no. It was always Superman for me. I mean, any guy that can, that can fly, that has strength, that can see through walls, I, I'm I'm all in. And and the thing is, when you gotta understand, I, I was born in the 1800s, and and when. <laughs> No, but grace is what he'll receive. Here, here's the thing. If you, if, if you hang around Steve S. Palmer long enough, you've got to grow in grace. It's just... <laughs> But this is the next one is the one I use in my life with Steve. <coughs> Romans 5:20 uses the same word as before, super grace, but then adds the prefix H U P E R. H U P E R. What do you think that means? Hooper. Hyper. That's the biblical word for the for grace. Hyper Oh my gosh, it's biblical. The word is H-U-P-E-R-P-E-R-I-S-S-E-U-O. Wow. Ah, Chris, you're, you're not going to heaven. No. <laughs> Paul literally preaches hyper, super grace. Now, I don't go around, I, I am this morning, but when I travel, I don't go around saying, I just love hyper grace, and then just leave it at that. If I can't biblically unfold what it really means, then I I shouldn't really talk about grace if I don't understand it. Now I don't have a heavenly understanding of grace. I have uh, I have a learning. I'm growing in trying to live in um, trying to live in grace, and <laughs> um, <laughs> it's becoming more day to day than I thought it would be. But um, <clears throat> uh, <laughs> the the whole aspect of living in something changes the game for you. The sixth one, the grace of our God is poured out on me abundantly, 1 Timothy 1.14. Well, here he adds another compound word, which means over, above, and beyond, plus hooper, H-U-P-E-R, plus a Greek word, <clears throat> P-L-E-O-N-A-Z-O, pleonazos. And again, my instructor would say, good shot, Chris. That was a nice try. Um, It means to increase or to superabound. So if I put all these three prefixes together now before the word grace, it would mean this, hyper-sounding or hyper-superabunding grace. Why why do we limit it then? Why why is it limited? Why do preachers limited? Why do they attack... uh, uh, Here's, a, here's a, a thought that I have. It, it scares people to think that liberty is available to everybody. I should have liberty, but I know you. You're going to take advantage of liberty. Has anybody here ever taken advantage of liberty? <laughs> okay, 14 of us. The rest of you are deceived. We should be able to speak about grace the way the Bible speaks about grace. We should use big, hyperbolic words and flowering phrases like this from Timothy 1.14. The grace, the unmerited favor and blessing of our Lord actually flowed out super abundantly and beyond measure for me. That's what Paul is saying to Timothy. This is It's so huge and it flows. <clears throat> yeah, but again, you know... <clears throat> Romans 6, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Romans 6, 15, shall we uh, sin because we are not under law but under grace? Last week I talked about law and grace and living, coming out from under the law and that it's it's fading away and we were coming into a place of grace and living in grace. So does that give us, you know, permission to sin? And both answers Paul identifies, he doesn't come back and say, no, don't, don't do that. What he says is this. If, if you're struggling there, it means you don't know who you are. He said if your struggle is, okay, here's the line. You come up to the line, you cross the line now, and then you come back. Uh, you cross the line, you come back. And then, you know, you feel bad for your sin, you feel bad for what you did, but you're just, you're still living there and everyone sees you over on this side, and nobody sees you here except God, and then you feel bad, and then you come back. Am I identifying anybody else's life? <laughs> okay. So we're there. And we come back. And we, so what we really do <clears throat> is we live in managing shame. What I call shame management. We live in shame management where our life is, oh, God, I'm sorry. I'm to come back over here, and I'm still sorry. I'm sorry. I feel ugly. I love you, and I'm so sorry. And you really are sincerely sorry. But over over through it all, the grace of God says, okay, let's get up off the floor. (laughs) Okay? You're forgiven, but I give you permission to live. And that's what grace does. The problem is that sometimes teachers, pastors, someone is afraid to let them go back and live because if they live fully in grace, they could screw up again. And they think that the, the knowledge of grace is what makes them screw up again. What makes them screw up again and what Paul understood was they don't know who they are. If they did, they'd be this far from the line. They'd just be living in liberty and freedom. Huh? And this is where I live. I don't even want the line. I mean, Demas followed, followed Paul. Almost fell, too. Demas. He was. It's his fault. <laughs> <laughs> and Paul talks about him as being a fellow comrade. And the next time, you know, it's just like Demas says hi. And the third time is Demas has left me because he loved this present world. And I look at Demas, I go, that's because Demas lived here. Demas just kept crossing and kept coming back because I'm going to take advantage of God's love. And you, you, you do that long enough, your heart begins to harden. But that that doesn't affect the grace and make it sloppy. It makes your obedience sloppy, and it tells me you don't know who you are in Christ. I'm hidden with Christ in God. I'm just a wretched sinner saved by grace, I'm just, no, no. I'm a saint, I'm a full saint. I'm a son, you're a son, you're a daughter. And the thing is about, about adoption, if you've ever, you know, <clears throat> I had friends that, that were adopted. Um, and uh, in, in Israel at the time, adoption there is the same as the United States is p- present day. What just went down? My water? Okay. Oh, oh Paul, thanks. You can carry my water anytime. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We got that's his daughter's going. How about a hand for Paul? So that's good, Paul. Now, now she's all embarrassed. Going, i can't believe that he heard me <laughs> um, The thing about adoption is uh if if my son or daughter messes up in life and comes at me and does something and I can write my kids out of my inheritance we're adopted into god's family according to the the u s and if you adopt a child you cannot remove them from their inheritance it's illegal it can't be done i had a friend who was, who was adopted and he used to just tell me that all the time i can't be written out of the will you know he was so happy because <laughs> yes, he ended up getting adopted by some well-to-do parents he goes i'm gonna get money you know, he was <laughs> and he was saying that as a joke but what he really was doing is saying because uh, he is a Bible teacher. What he was saying was, "You, once you're in, you're in. You can't be written out. Well, if I think that I can, then I try to do things on my own. After a while, I'm on my own. I'm living by my own grace and my own um, whatever. And you live close enough here, and, and you, you, you live dangerously. But if you know who you are, and that's what Paul is trying to say, your sons and daughters. He tells them right there in Romans 6. You're sons and daughters. You're living in sonship. Sonship lives back here, away from the line. It doesn't mess up. And then when we do, we don't live in shame. We come back because God's grace is super abundant and hyper. I love that. <clears throat> you know, one of the things that, uh, <laughs> um, I think I shared this once under the tent, but one of the, th- everybody ever remember the Ed Sullivan show? Okay, some of them remember the name. How many remember actually watching the Ed Sullivan show? Okay. The Beatles, February 9th, 1964. Not that I care. Um, but that was their first time. And uh, everybody was on there. The animals. I know silly names, huh? Um, <clears throat> but the Ed Sullivan show, they would have that like they'd have a dancing bear from Russia on the Ed Sullivan show. Remember the dancing bear? remember the guy with the plates? Okay, those that don't know, this guy came out, and there's all these sticks in the air, and he'd put a plate on the top of the stick, and he'd spin it, and then he'd keep going, and he'd spin all these plates. He'd keep all the plates spinning. That was his act, and some would fall to the ground, but he kept, his job was to spin, you know, all these plates, and um, I just, how he kept them balanced sometimes, it just, he was, it was amazing, and so I, I looked at that, and Balancing all the plates in your life is hard work. It takes a full-time job to balance all the plates in your life, to balance all the attitudes you have towards people. Uh, <clears throat> when I come to get the resources of my life, I don't want God to balance love to me. I'll love you here, but I, I will balance it out with disgust and hate. Okay, do we should, but we never talk about balancing love. Okay. Okay, what over here? I, obedience. Okay, should I just be mostly obedient? Should, how about faithfulness? Okay, I'm faithful to my wife ninety percent of the time. <laughs> well, they oh, no, don't balance faithfulness. Give yourself 100%. Okay? Same thing, hope. Okay? I'm going to balance hope. I'm going to be hopeful, and then other times I'm going to be disgustingly <laughs> so hopeless and depressed. I'm going to, because I don't want to balance hope and be one of those people like, oh, he's always so hopeful. I'm going to give them what they want. I'll be hopeful, and then I'll be depressed, because they want to see depression from me every now and then, just to know that I'm human. And then we come to grace. Oh, grace, you t- this is what we need balance, And this is what's preached. We balance grace. You need to be balanced, Chris, in your life. Really. If I took that and I, I, this is what I did out there, you know, uh, put, put, a, put a, cup or a, a bottle of water on my head and tried to walk. When you try to walk and to stay balanced, all your energy is going to the wrong place. Wow, are you telling me not to be a balanced person? No. I'm telling you, don't be a balanced receiver. Get all of grace. Don't think it should come to you in sections and segments. God wants to abundantly, super, hyperly give you grace and understanding. The revelation of God is not the balanced grace of God. It's the full, overflowing grace of God. If we have something different... Paul talks about in Galatians, in chapter 1, don't be deceived, they're giving you another gospel. A gospel that gives less of what God has to give is another gospel. Thomas Jefferson said, I'd rather be exposed to the inconvenience attending to too much of something, especially liberty, than to attending to too small a degree of it. What he's saying is this, I'd rather put up with the fact of the fullness of what it means to have liberty in our country than to have the legalistic aspects of society pull me back to something that seems to be more convenient in a smaller life. I'm the same way. I want the fullness of what he has, and then I'll deal with my idiocy because I understand his grace. Again, nothing I say... (laughs) is to, to say, <clears throat> go out and sin and prove the grace of God. If if you ever thought about that, if you ever think that that's kind of where I'm headed, it's, it's not. <clears throat> Galatians 3, 1 through 3. <clears throat> I, I, I'm just I'm taking a sentence here. It's time for grace to be understood for more than a door into the kingdom. It's the power to release us into the kingdom. Grace is not a doorway to the kingdom. Grace is the invitation to get everything God has for you within the kingdom past the door. See, grace is more than than just, you know, being forgiven and invited back. Grace is, you know, there are many expressions of grace. Uh, Grace of acceptance. You know, by the way, God gave you grace to have revelation to say yes to him. Provenient grace is the kind of grace that says, by the way, you need Jesus. You didn't come that on your own. You came because the grace of God came to you and convinced your mind and your heart that you need something more than yourself. That's one expression of grace. Another one is the call on your life, Ephesians 4.7. Grace is given to according to the measure of the gift of God to you. So it's the grace for your call or the grace to live in the way that you're living. You look at other people's lives. You go, I can't believe they're doing that. I, I think about that. Um, you know, I, I love Steve's my buddy, and we joke around a lot. But I, 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 for his connection with children, I go, that's a that's a grace, to do that. Okay, we had this this guy back in Kansas City years ago, Marty, um, <clears throat> Pastor Marty. He was the children's pastor, and all the all the pastors. We'd have a me- monthly meeting with all the pastors. He was always coming in, bounding in, and goes, I have the greatest job. And I'm looking at him going, wow, he really believes that. (laughs) And one day he says, Chris, come in on a Sunday and and join me. (laughs) So I did. I don't understand the grace of God that's on his life. (laughs) It is a a grace that, you know, you you don't have it. I mean, seriously, are there people in your life, you're looking at him going, how do they do what they do? because I can't imagine doing that every day of the week, and that being my responsibility. Then there's a grace in situations, the grace to endure a situation. Um, <clears throat> my daughter Katie was driving, and, and uh, she got picked up one time. I think there was something in, in the license plate or something was going on. She was driving a French car, <coughs> and a cop picked her up, followed her back, and uh, had her follow him, and then actually pulled over had the friend drive the car and had Katie get in the car handcuffed. This is this is like a license plate thing. Took her in, booked her. Put her in a cell for a little while and she got she got out. I was really unhappy because she was a single gal, maybe 20, 21, something like that. And <clears throat> I, you know, daddy rage came through. I did not ask for the grace of God then. I asked for what was in David that killed the lion and the bear is really what I asked for. (laughs) That's another kind of grace. It's the grace to to kill and get away with it. Um, That was a joke. I can see some of you going, oh. (laughs) So it all got taken care of, but they didn't expunge it from a record. So she got picked up for another violation uh, of, I don't know, car wasn't inspected, whatever. Cop came by her, turned around and followed her, took her over. And then she pulled over and goes, I, I don't understand why I'm getting stopped. And he goes, well, your license plate or your sticker, whatever it was, this is in, in Kansas City. And he says, by the way, we, uh, <coughs> you, you need to come with me. And she got her, out, he got her out of the car and he put handcuffs on her behind her back. <laughs> Did the same thing again, because it wasn't Taking a record. I said, what'd you do? Because I wanted to kill, but you don't do that. I have family that were deputy sheriffs, and so I know how to act in front of a policeman. I have great respect. I love him. Uh, but at this particular time, there were, it's, this isn't right. Said, what'd you do? She goes, I-, I just sensed the grace of God. It was totally okay, and I knew it was going to be all right, and I'd be out. So something came over. Well, it didn't come over her. It filled out from within her of the grace of God in their life. So we have grace for situations. People are going through something and we are saying, I can't believe they're going through that horrible situation. But then the grace of God is on them. Grace is everywhere we look. He's available all the time. Listen. I love the book of Galatians. And the reason why I'm hesitating is I have one minute and 33 seconds. (laughs) And I have four pages that I have no time to get into. But let me end with this. None of you are going to be perfect from now on the day you die. I mean, you can give it a shot. I knew a guy a year ago who said, I've been sinless and perfect for three months. I said, really? God bless you. That's what he actually told me. He said, three months, I've done nothing, nothing in my heart, done no sin. He said, I've been perfect for three months. He ended his ministry by trying to have an affair with a younger woman. And he was kicked out of what he was doing as a Bible teacher. It's not by your works. No one's going to be perfect. Therefore, if you don't understand grace because of your, let me say, because of his perfection in you and because of your imperfection to live, if you don't understand grace, you'll you'll live a life lesser because you don't appropriate who he is in you. I am jealous for you not to live a lesser life. I'm not jealous for you to take this inappropriately and go out and sin. Uh-uh. I'm jealous for you to come back. Every time you need to come back. Because the grace of God is always there for you to come back. It's the father in Luke 15. I preach it all the time. Nathan's preached it a bunch. That is the grace of God. Is to be fully received, sonship restored, honor restored authority restored every time. Is grace sloppy? No. I have people around me now and they say, oh, I, I hate this hyper grace teachings. And I keep my mouth shut because they don't understand that actually biblically it is. It's hyper. It's beyond. It abounds. It's above all. It's exceeding to the point of wastefulness. He lets his grace slip over the side. Because it's filled, you're filled. Just close your eyes for a second, Lord. <clears throat> I don't want these to be empty words. Uh, they are made not empty by the power of Your Spirit working in us and through us. And so I ask, by the power of Your Spirit, that You would come. You would illuminate that which is of You, Your Your personality, Your understanding, Your character of grace that we would have a fuller and deeper and richer understanding of it, to live in the fullness of it, so that we can live in the fullness of who you made us. We need you to understand you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for checking out our Sermon of the Week. If you have questions or would like to get connected, download our app or visit us at providencecommunity.org.